Some of the subject matter within this episode of The Pursuit contains distressing material. One of the topics we will discuss pertains to intimate partner violence, which may be triggering for some listeners. Within our discussion of IPV, we will discuss many different forms of domestic violence, including emotional, sexual, physical, and mental abuse. Listener discretion is advised. everyone. Welcome to the Pursuit Podcast. This is Mara. This is Sammy. And um, we're super excited to share with you our pursuit to learn more about ourselves, each other, and just the world we live in. Agreed. And especially this heavy topic of intimate partner violence. So how was your week then, Sam? It was a good week. It was busy. It was filled with a lot of new memories with family and friends. Uh, Made some brown paper bag trees, so finally got that done. I uh, got to go to my first Twins game of the season. I got to watch my niece run track. She's exceptional, by the way. And uh, I got to save a baby bird today, or make sure a baby bird was safe. Yes. So we did, Sam and I did save a baby bird this morning. It just, yeah, baby, like birds all the time like to hit the house. Um, in the windows. I don't know if it's because like it's a new build home, but it's like it was built in 2018, so it's not that new anymore. But it's still newer. Yeah, it's still newer, and so I feel like it's constant that birds are hitting a window. I probably, yeah, like at least once a week it happens, which is crazy to think about, but. Thankfully, the baby bird was fine. I was cognizant to make sure that the baby bird, you know, when touched by human hands, like wouldn't be turned off by its mom, but um, thankfully this bird was big enough and grown enough and was able to fly away eventually. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. No animals were harmed. We made sure everything was okay. That was an exciting moment this morning. <laughs> it was really exciting, actually. So how was your week? My week was good. Um, it is springtime at the schools, so all the kids, it's like spring fever is real. And it's not just for them, it's for me. Um, and so I'm super excited. I walk in my graduate, like I walk in my graduation ceremony next Saturday. Actually, so that's very exciting. Um, crazy to think that that is happening. Um, otherwise I got my hair done, starting to prep my hair for the wedding of like color sorting. Um, I think I'm going to lately before I got my hair done yesterday, um, it was more of like a really dark dirty blonde and I got highlights and now it's like some it's fresh it's looking good so I don't know maybe I'll keep going blonde for my wedding but not too blonde because I feel like if I go too blonde it might wash me yeah it's a whole different thing it's a it's an internal discussion and battle that I am dealing with so to be determined of what my hair looks like well for the record your hair looks amazing right now thank you you're welcome okay so for anyone who didn't listen to the trailer Or for anyone who did listen to the trailer, this will be a little bit of a repeat, but I was thinking maybe we introduce ourselves. Yeah, and kind of what we like to... Yeah, you go first. You're better intros. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for that compliment. I just want to say my name is Sammy. I am single in my 30s and right now just prioritizing relationships with myself and others. Go Sammy. Thank you. Um, Like I said before, I'm Mara. I am a graduate student studying clinical mental health counseling um, and I'm engaged, and yeah, and I have a little puppy named Odie, and 
yeah, just those are the main things that are happening in my life right now. School, wedding, and my dog. Very exciting things, for sure. Okay. So do you just want to get right on into it? We can. Um, is it okay if I share something that I saw on Instagram that yeah. I think pertains to this topic, which is really nice? So I follow an account on Instagram um, titled We the Urban. And so they had posted something yesterday, which I think is a, a wonderful quote to kind of segue into this. And the quote is this, quote, I hope you heal from that thing you didn't think was a big deal, but slowly ended up affecting your life in serious ways, unquote. Oh, my God. That really does. That does connect. It's crazy. Um, what did you say it was from? We the Urban. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to follow them. So they do daily affirmations, um, very positive um, quotes that are, yeah, I tend to appreciate. Um, you gonna, so I guess, can I share why I wanted to do this topic? Yes, please. So a couple weeks ago, I was listening to this podcast that I found. Um, it's called Something Was Wrong, and I started out with the first season, and it goes deep into emotional abuse, narcissism, and intimate partner violence. And I was like, it just really, so interesting. I think I binged the episodes, like, there's like 10 episodes, and they're each like pretty decently long, like 30, 40 minutes. Um, I listened to it in like four days, and it just cannot stop. Um, and I was like, man, I, I think I, I did a project on intimate partner violence my undergrad and so then I was looking through like all my old stuff and I found it and so then I, that's why I was like we should do it because it's such an important topic and it really hits home for me and I feel like it hits home for a lot of other people it occurs very frequently one in three women one in four men will have had experience a form of IPV in their lifetime that's not okay which is crazy to think because I think that a lot of people would assume that it's one in four women and not the other way around um, but it's. I think it's important to just recognize that men are also impacted and abused. It's not just a woman's issue. Like I think may be like the stereotype. I think that it is important to talk about and recognize what intimate partner violence is. Yes. So it really is just like an umbrella term that like covers the many different types of abuse and violence um, within relationships. And this isn't just like romantic like i would say that i really the podcast i listened to focused on like romantic intimate partner violence but like it can happen between parents and uh children co-workers it's so many different dynamics could uh have intimate partner violence the it's just it also i think is important to include that it's also a lot of psychological uh abuse and then it starts oftentimes out with emotional and psychological abuse. And uh, usually um, the last straw that broke the camel's back is physical abuse. And that's not with every situation, but it is that is a very common thing that happens. Yeah, I, I think this is a great subject and I'm glad you chose this for this episode. Thank you. And I want to point out that sometimes IV, IPV will often occur with those that want a relationship with us too. We don't even have to know the person or be in a relationship with them too. Yeah. This can be stalking. This can be someone who's jealous and possessive and you don't even know them. This sometimes will occur once and it doesn't even have to occur several times over a long time period. So it's like there's a full range of different violent acts that can happen to you. So um, yeah, do you want to 
Do you want to dive in? Okay. So what I think is important also is to recognize that there are two themes that really occur um, in intimate partner violence. It is aggression and corrosive control. Um, And then just how abuse looks so different in many different ways. And sometimes it's hard to recognize when someone is being abused. Like, you can have your suspicions, but it's so hard to know because and that, I think, puts the people in a really hard position when you suspect that there's abuse occurring, but you don't have enough evidence to say something. Well, and people in those relationships, too, or their situations, um, like, I'm I'm assuming you're speaking in the context of someone that's in in, in a relationship that it's actively happening. I'm assuming yeah, from the outside so, looking in. But you, yeah, on the outside looking in. Okay, yeah, that's hard because sometimes the, the victim, I'm just going to say it flat out, the victim may not know how to get help, how to escape, how to prevent this from continuing. Like there's so, there's so many dynamics involved, right? Yeah. So from the outside, you can suspect and you may not have all the info, but sometimes you can never know because the, the person who is doing the abuse could also be controlling and manipulating and brainwashing and trying to project what image they're trying to deceive others in. So that's a tough dynamic because you just don't know exactly what to do. And I even know like law enforcement can even have a struggle with that because if the victim is not filing a police report, there's only so much that can be done. A great example is the Gabby Petito case. Okay. Uh, Did you follow that? Did not. What what, Uh, what happened there? So basically this girl was in her early 20s um, and her and her fiance were... They ha- they were- have you ever heard, like, of van life where they live in a van and they travel across, like, the United States? Yep. So oh, that. Oh, yeah. yes. That case. I thought you said Gabby Potato. And I was oh, like, Potato. I-, I mean, it's mom and Western accent. Yep. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't remember Gabby Potato. That one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. I remember that case. And that was very, very sad. It and is so sad. Yeah. the There were a lot of different dynamics involved with that case that I struggled with. But... One in particular were the parents. Yes. Yeah. I struggled big time with that. Oh, my gosh. I remember having a conversation with Dylan his and his mom about the whole case and, like, how strange it was, how his parents were reacting and when he went missing and just everything. It just, um, yeah, it's just so messed up. So, so messed up. So sad. And I feel I just could never imagine what that is like for her family and friends okay so you had mentioned two different themes that you found for ipv there was aggression and coercive control do you want to speak more on the aggression yeah i can so really um under aggression is like the verbal aggression physical aggression sex and sexual aggression so verbal aggression really is just like um oftentimes they yell and scream and shout at you for like an like it just could be like a whim like it just there's no it just doesn't make sense um physical aggression is when they experience when they act um of like slapping or punching and targeting of like your genitals of some um possibly and then just um even with weapons um there's in the article that i found um a participant shared that his girlfriend had broke her hand, punching him in the back of the head, and had attempted to stab him with a kitchen kitchen knife. Physical aggression, 
physical abuse. They go hand in hand, but I feel like the word abuse is better. So that I guess that's that's my opinion. Well, and I think if we look up the word abuse, I mean, it just describes the act of like improperly or excessively misusing someone, right? So, yeah. or misusing whatever is being abused or to hurt or injure by malintent, right? Or ill use and even to deceive or trick, right? So, I like the word abuse because I feel like it does captivate what's happening, yeah. not just aggression. Like, if someone wants to aggress at me, I feel like that doesn't have as strong of a weight of a word. Yeah, they're like, abuse. oh, just aggression. Let's it's call just it aggression. What it is. No, yeah. it's fucking abuse. Yeah, and it is not okay. That um, is just uh, a simple synopsis of like the aggression or the abuse theme within intimate partner violence that I felt like should be highlighted. Um, and then I feel like the next theme is more focusing on the verbal and the psychological and emotional abuse. So coercive control, can you define that or describe it? Yeah, so it is, um, it includes like five sub-themes of, uh, within itself, um, which are control over personal freedom, manipulation and isolation, gaslighting, de- degeneration and humiliation. And the last one is uh, the fear and uncertainty. Those are some strong, those are some strong things that people do. And coming, so like, in my own life, I have been in a relationship that was emotionally abusive. Um, and looking back, and this was years ago now, um, all of those were themes within our relationship that I didn't notice at that time, but can recognize and reflect on now, um, which is, which is, it, it really puts like a weight on you. And is, I think it's hard to look at. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're still in the environment too. For those of us that have been able to get out of those environments um, with using tools like therapy has has been significant and perspective and time and hindsight. These are all things, uh, but those that are still in it, my heart goes out to them because those are some very unhealthy and unsafe situations. So it's sometimes it's hard to know what to say. And I would, and coming from someone who has been in a situation, not even a situation, a relationship, an abusive relationship. What do you say to someone else that's been, that is going through it? Sometimes there's nothing you can say, Yeah, which is sad. And so, uh, anyone who is in an active IPV situation, my heart goes out to you. Um, anyone who feels unsafe or unloved or just abused, who feels like there's no hope, like, I'm really sorry that is happening to you. Anyone who's been abused pre- previously, like, my heart goes out to you. Anyone that chooses to take away someone's worth, someone's value, my heart goes out to you. And their authentic self. I, at least in my situation, I felt like my boyfriend was taking over, like, taking control of my personal freedom of what I wanted to do with my friends, um, if it, what I, if, how I felt like if I, like being with family, if he had to be there, it just, um, even speaking my mind in front of my family and friends, it really changed. And then also isolating me and making me feel crazy for things of <laughs> drinking, being a normal college student. Um, it 
really was impactful and difficult situation. And then also it made me react in ways that I'm not proud of. Like his gaslighting and manipulation caused me to have reactions that were not also nice, which is hard to say and hard to be honest about. But it's true. And what what do you do with that? How do you respond? I know that the word trigger is a sensitive thing, but it really, it really, he would do things, I would say, that he knew would trigger me, gaslight me, and then push more control and manipulation on. So I can only speak to my, my story or what I've witnessed or observed, but oftentimes when, when I've seen someone control someone else, uh, it's out of fear, fear of, of lack of control or just fear of power. It's just, there's so many dynamics that it's hard to speak generalized, but when you had said, um, or I heard, and I could have misunderstood, but when you had explained how you weren't proud of some of the choices or reactions that you made, oftentimes when you're not safe or when you're not allowed, like welcomed to be who you are or how you are and people are controlling and manipulating you, you're, you may not make what hindsight would show you as the best reactions or decisions, right? Unhealthy relationships produce unhealthy fruit, right? So um, I I would encourage you to not be so hard on yourself because hindsight does provide that 2020 perspective oftentimes. And when you look back, if as long as you're honest with yourself and honest with what happened, and you choose not to repeat decisions or you choose to grow from those, that that's a healthy reaction to the past, right? And, and acknowledging and identifying things that you won't allow, creating boundaries for yourself, that's self-awareness, self-love, right? Self-structure. So I share all that just to be like, I hear that. And it, and it kind of makes me sad because as a victim, you're already a victim, right? So like, then you're, then you're being harsh on yourself, when you weren't even allowed to be your authentic self. Yeah. And I think, and from being in school, I now can like recognize what was happening. So uh, it's called the triune brain. I think I've told you about this before, how the brain is split into three sections, the reptilian, the mammalian, and the prefrontal cortex. The reptilian does like all the automatic stuff. The mammalian is your fight or flight, freeze, fawn response. And the, uh, prefrontal cortex is the decision maker. When you're triggered or your uh, your body tells you that you're in trouble, you're not safe, your prefrontal cortex turns off. It's gone. It's not working. So then it, you're left to, your brain is left with the mammalian and the reptilian and you go into the spider flight response. And I feel like that's where I was a lot of the time. Is like my lid, It does, we call it the lid, would flip and I would. it's like I'd be gone and that's what would happen. Um, and then you can split the brain again into two parts, the left and the right brain. A lot of people talk about, oh, are you a left brain thinker or are you the right brain thinker? Left brain is more logical, analytical. They're the decision-making kind, and the right brain is emotional, creative, artistic. And then there's this bridge between the two for when your lid isn't flipped that communicates and like helps recognize things. It's called a um, corpus callosum. I probably said that wrong. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> um... But when your lid flips, that bridge breaks. And so you're stuck. Like, how does your brain react when your lid is flipped and you're in that trauma response? I am an emotional person. 
Like that's my trauma response is emotion. So I feel like that also is part of it. But the, this is also hindsight, twenty twenty. I'm educated now. I know these things. When I was eighteen, nineteen, I had no fucking idea. I just thought I was a crazy bitch. Hey, but you can still be educated, and trauma can still happen to you at any age, at any kind of educational background, any kind of knowledge, whether you've learned it through book or through life experience. Like you can be super educated and still have a traumatic situation happen and that fight or flight kick in and your body out of fear responds with just an immediate reaction. So that being also said is like, yeah, you can look back and be like, okay, I wasn't as educated as I am now, but just saying you could still have a traumatic thing happen and allow yourself grace to know, Hey, like this was not okay. And this topic, one of the heavy parts to me is the fact of like anybody who gets abused, it, it breaks my heart because as someone who's been hurt, like I don't want people to be hurt because that's not a good, that's to experience a deep level of pain. It requires a lot of strength to get through. Um, and so thankfully I'm safe now. Thankfully I'm fine. But there were moments where I, I wasn't safe. I wasn't fine. Um, so shout out to therapists out there. Thank you for the good therapists out there that are doing some hard work. Um, helping people heal because it's just life is hard and traumatic things happen. And uh, anyway, so this topic is just sensitive to me because I just wish people treated others with such respect and because people matter, people matter. Like you listening to this, I don't know if you need to hear this, but you matter. You have worth, you have value. You bring things to this world because you exist. You are here for a reason. Okay. You have a purpose. Okay. You bring things to the table. You bring things to this world, okay? So keep breathing, keep focusing, keep working on yourself, keep being the best version of yourself you can. Choose growth, choose change, choose positive things for yourself, especially when others choose not to make them for you. I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's just I like, like your oh, just, it just, people matter, okay? So no matter how lost you feel, how isolated, how alone you feel, you are not alone, okay? You are loved. And I'm sorry. You have people that things have happened to you that have hurt you. You have people that are in the shadows watching and caring for you. You may not know it, you may not see them. When I was in that situation, I didn't see them. I didn't I knew they were there, but I was they were I couldn't see them. I knew they were there, but I could not see them. And finally, when I started to realize what was going on and looking around, I could see the whole, my whole village, my support circle being there like, we got you. This is going to be hard, but we have you. We're going to help you through this. We'll keep you safe. We love you. And that is it. That it will help you. Um, So, yeah. And so for anyone who feels like they are alone, like if... If you're deep in an IPV situation where you're super controlled, where you don't have an out, where you don't feel safe, where you don't know how you can escape um, and you don't have a good network system, I just want to give a 1-800 number or to anyone who can use this, not just those situations. But this is a national uh, domestic violence hotline number. It's 800-799-7233. Again, 800-799-7233. And I share that because I know there are people out there that they look around and they don't see anyone there, even though it's silent or not. But just know you matter no matter what. Um, So just know, like, 
Hopefully you can call that number. Hopefully you can get some resources to get out. And that's the thing about relationships is there's a multitude of reasons to stay. There's also also a multitude of reasons to leave. Exactly. So just, and it's easier said than done behind a microphone. It's easier <laughs> said than done without all the dynamics happening. I understand that. I'm just really just is. generally speaking, like abusive relationships are not okay. Um, I think it's also important to recognize that these are some harrowing statistics um, about the violence and abuse that people experience in intimate partner violent uh, relationships, just in any aspect, um, according to uh, the article Sexual Violence Stalking Intimate Partner Violence by Sexual Orientation in the United States. 23 million women have been report have reported being raped. 19 million women have reported being stalked. 45 million women have experienced intimate partner violence. 1.7 million men have reported being raped. 6.1 million men have reported being stalked, and 35 million men have experienced intimate partner violence. That's that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's this is such a, a topic that I wanted to do, but recognize that it is really, really hard to talk about. It puts you in a really vulnerable state. Um, and for me, um, vulnerability is hard. I, I am, I love to share about my life and my experience. Um, but sometimes in the aftermath of doing that, it causes so much anxiety and panic that it overrules which is something that should be explored in, in therapy, which um, obviously I'm a proponent of. I think people should go to therapy, even if they don't have problems. I I was just talking to my hairstylist yesterday about therapy. She's like, gosh, I just wish that everyone would go to therapy. I was like, yeah, it's not. You don't need a therapy if you have a problem. Therapy is there to talk to someone. A therapist is there to talk to someone who does not have a bias in your life. They can give you unbiased feedback and um, observations of your own life. But also, I know you're like, well, do you always need that? See, but this is my my perspective as, as a therapist. But What I was going to say, though, is there are some therapists <laughs> that do tend to act from a biased nature, but there are some very, very, very wonderful therapists out there. They should not be doing that bullshit. Agreed. But generally speaking, therapists in general, wonderful, unbiased and helpful. And you do not have to have a quote unquote problem. But when I hear that, when people are like, you don't have to have a problem to go, it's like everybody has room for improvement. There is no perfect person on this planet. There, there is none. Um, Life is short. Time is valuable. So for me, if if everyone would choose to be the best version of themselves they could be, this world would be such a more wonderful place. But people choose not to because of many of many hindrances, right? So a person that's not honest with themselves, they're not going to be honest with others, right? Oh, people that oh, are yeah. not self-aware, they have no self-awareness. How are they going to identify their own issues if they're not aware of them? So there, there are a lot of roadblocks, right? So, so for me in my life, I choose to have close relationships with people that are safe for me. So anyone that has a lot of dysfunction, I choose not to be close to. 
Um, and that's just for self-preservation on my end because I've been in a lot of dysfunctional situations and relationships. And so for me, it's just not healthy. For the nature of this podcast, I'm going to choose not to share a lot of personal IPV-related experiences just because I just don't want it out there. But I will say that um, I am thankful as an adult, I can choose where I want to be. Now, I know that IPV can happen even when you want to control all the narratives. You want to control all the dynamics. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in the best of my ability, I am trying to maintain healthy relationships. I'm trying to stay alert. I'm trying to stay alive. I'm trying to do all the things to keep myself and people that I love safe. But to all the people that have been traumatized and victimized, and including me, there have been one occurrence like that it just happens once and then i've also had them in relationships too where it's just like the the occurrences that happen once i thought i was doing everything right and it still happened so i'm not over here being like i'm choosing all these things but it's like i'm trying to control the things i can and life happens and and people can choose to take value from you try I mean, to- just look at love bombing and gaslighting like Love bombing is a super red flag for me. I was in a relationship where someone was coming at me love bombing and literally saying, I love you within a month of dating. And I go, how is that possible? You don't even know me, bitch. That's what I, that's, I had the same thing. And if I could go back and say, you don't know me, I would. Maybe I did say that. That sounds like something I probably would have said. The person that you wanted to throw punch said, I love you within a month of dating me. Which I'm like, hey, connection, because the person who abused me did the exact same thing. Month and a half, maybe. I can't remember. I was, I had just had surgery. <laughs> but that's, that's inside story, inside story. But, see, but the thing is, you can't see the, it's hard, so hard to see the red flags when you're in the relationship, you know? Well, or, or sometimes when you're not caught up in it, it helps. Because yeah. I threw a red flag at that. I was like, how is that even possible? Oh, good for you, Sam. But that's also me after years of therapy, after yeah. years of traumatizing experiences. I mean, you're in your 30s. I was night. I was 18. I was no, I was 19, 18, 19, around that age. I was young. I was just a teenager. So I mean, it's just as crazy. And then like I look at like the young women in my life, like my my sister in law, my my cousins like i have i just was showing sam a picture of one of my cousins today i was like oh so cute like it's just like i would never i hope that when that whatever relationship they find themselves in when they're my age your age the age they are now that they they recognize that if if it doesn't feel right or safe or too soon that is okay Go at your own pace. Don't go at the pace that others are wanting you to go on. It's true. Uh, especially because generationally speaking, like there are there are adults that will be like even parent figures, grandparents, people in their life that will encourage unhealthy, unwarranted behavior. Like I was five and a non-family member, adult male, would want to tickle me and I would say no. And they still would. And that's something that, thankfully, I want to, whenever I become a parent, I want to instill that in my kids. No, 
Like I will teach them that they have a say about their bodies, Mm -hmm. that they can say, I don't want to be hugged right now. And that's okay. I don't want to be tickled. And uh, my friend's kids, I had to apologize because I didn't realize I was doing it because one of the kids was like, don't tickle me. And I didn't catch that I tickled them. And I circled back and made sure to apologize to say, hey, I am sorry. You told me not to. I found myself tickling you. I apologize because it is crucial to teach children like that they can have a say and it is not okay that they have autonomy over their own freaking body god oh i could go on about that but like it's just those are things that i wish like our society and schools taught more about is intimate partner violence if i fucking was learning this in high school in my health class oh my god could you imagine but here's to hoping that Things change, and maybe, maybe one day when you and I have kids, it will be different. I mean, like you said, you'll teach your children that. Oh, for sure. Well, I, I'll be in the same boat. Like, if you don't want someone to hug you, and they are telling you that they want to hug and they're demanding it, you come tell mommy, and mommy's gonna kick an ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the sad part: is I'm witnessing generational, just repetitiveness like there are parents out there that want to instill wonderful things to their kids and there are parents out there that are repeating the same stuff that happened to them as a kid Mm -hmm. or not teaching them the benefit of boundaries just it's just it's very unhealthy to sit and watch time and time again just bad parenting happening there are wonderful parents out there i'm not saying that but just it's the it's the parents that choose not to be proactive about their kids existence where you see other kids then being impacted by inefficient parenting it to break the cycle of generational abuse and trauma so difficult and i think part of it two ways to confront it are having fucking open conversations about the things that are happening in your family if that's a mental health if it's abuse if it's if it's alcohol if it's it could be so many different things it could be like, oh, so-and-so is pissed off at me for not going. Like, Just like having those conversations and be opening about it. By doing that, you're starting to break the cycle. Open communication is the first step. Open communication, yes. But I also think, I mean, on the side thing, is if every person decides to work on themselves. That's the thing. You can have open discussions, but if someone is impacted by shame or someone has deep-rooted issues that need to be resolved on their own end, because you can try to inspire change, but people won't change unless they themselves choose to. Yeah, I can literally tell you the cycle of change right now. Okay. Do you have it up or do you want me to? Because I can, I can keep going on this topic. Keep going. I'll pull it up. Okay. So I think that there are generational issues that can be very traumatic as well. Uh, so I have seen firsthand two siblings, one of which got therapy for their generational issues and one that didn't. And their parenting is completely different. Now, granted, I realize each person is different with personalities and all the things. But one sibling, the one that didn't go to therapy, is actually continuing the generational trauma onto their kids versus the one that actually did go to fix and is proactive about their kids and proactive about their own existence. You can see side by side just how therapy really has helped. And by breaking the cycle and putting making work and doing the change is not an easy task. It's no. not like you can just uh, 
we have a magical wand and it happens. There are cycles and stages of what happens. The cycle of change includes pre-contemplation where you're, it's not even in the forefront of your mind of what is happening. You're not aware. You're not aware of what you may be doing or what others are doing to you. The contemplation is when you're starting to notice these red flags, these signs of things that don't make sense are not okay or not safe. And then, con- uh, then preparation. You're starting to prepare to leave that situation, prepare to change, and just prepare to make a difference in your own life and maybe even others. And then when you finally are ready, and it could be whenever. It's not like a hard and fast, you need to do this in seven days and that's it. No, it's not like that. Life isn't like a to-do list. It, it isn't. Um, the next step is action and then man- maintaining that. And of course, there may be there may be a relapse here or there, but that is life. Life isn't life isn't a straight line. Healing isn't linear. Growth isn't linear. It just give your I always say to my clients, especially, to give yourself grace and recognize that it's not gonna ha- change and growth is a slow process and it is okay. And no matter what, you are you. And you are gonna work through this. Yeah. Change can be really messy too, especially when it's messy subject matter and emotions. Oh goodness. Emotions can be messy in themselves. And I just want to throw it out there. Like anyone who is proactive about their existence, working to be the best version of themselves, that takes courage. That takes strength. That takes vulnerability. That takes so much work and effort, but you are worth it. And like, I'm worth it. You are worth it. Um, I just, I give you props and I encourage you to keep working. And yes, like you said, growth is not linear. Like sometimes we do revert back. We take one step forward, two steps back. But as long as we are being mindful and aware and we're choosing not to repeat the same bad decisions that we've made before. Or have observed. Correct. Or been privy to. As long as you're focused on continuing the momentum of becoming the the best authentic version of yourself. I give you mad props for that because there are people that choose not to do that. And it's those people. Well, all people like hurt people can hurt people, right? So Mm -hmm. hurt people, hurt people. Um, and so even good people hurt people. Well, yes, that's true. But I was going to say even good people do a great job at making bad decisions. So just throwing that out there, just especially with this topic of IPV, there have been several times where a person is quote unquote a good person and they choose to do such violent offensive acts where it's just like, so I, I, I was just on the topic of, you know, people that, that work hard on themselves. And so people fail, people fall short. So all to say that, like, I do want to just circle back to IPV to say there are people that hide behind a perfect persona that do such shitty things. Yep. So anyway, okay. just to mention one more thing about IPV, I want to speak to my own personal experience and how cyclical violence can happen. You can be with someone who will threaten or will, will abuse, who will then apologize and will promise to change or will will try to like sweeten you up or will try to um to make light of the situation and then it will start over and over again and um my grandma had pointed out 
something in a relationship of mine. And it reminded me of that cyclical nature where I'm thankful that she spoke up to it. And that's the thing about the people that are close to me. Um, I have them in my circle for a reason. They have respected opinions. They're able to be honest and open and call things out. Like Sammy, hey, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like you. Why are you choosing this if it's hurting you? Like, why, why are you wanting that in your life? So I appreciate because they have that outside perspective too. Um, and so I just wanted to call that out to be like, there are people that uh, if you respect their opinions and you listen, they may shed light to on the situation that you may not be seeing, right? And so uh, there is no right time to ever end a relationship. But for the sake of safety, um, I just want to stress the importance of there may be no perfect time to leave an unhealthy relationship or situation, especially with a lot of dynamics involved. But I just want to encourage that there is another side. There is freedom. There is safety. There is love out there. Give me goosebumps now. I don't know. This whole topic is just heavy on my heart because I just, I I wish people were treated with the respect and value that they deserve. Are you ready to move on or take a moment? Yeah. Um, okay. Should we, should we lighten the mood a little bit? Okay. So question for you. What was your first impression of me? So going back to when you're like, I don't want, so I guess backstory on me, I am not a hugger and all of Dylan's family, they love to hug everyone. Um, so it's been a very like an adjustment period for me because <laughs> like, I'm just not used to that stuff. Like my family didn't really like hug a lot. Like my yeah, so just like all of that is was very new for me. Dylan and I have been together for almost three years now, so I've I've gotten way better. Like I now embrace the hugs, but at first I was like, oh my god, there's a lot of people wanting to give me a hug right now, and I'm like, ah, I don't know you. Um, but the first day that I met you, um, I walked. We walked into the kitchen because we had gone to go get stuff, and you arrived. Um, and you were like, hi, I'm Sammy. I'm gonna give you a big hug, and I was like. Oh, hi. <laughs> and he gave me this big bear hug. And I was like, oh, I feel safe and like loved. I was like, I just met you and it just like felt really like safe. And like, I knew you for years, like our, my entire life I've known you, which I haven't. It's been like maybe two now, maybe two and a half years. Um, so that was, that was super cool. Um, and I just felt like, like we clicked right away. And then, cause, um, for people who don't know, Sammy is Dylan's cousin. Dylan is my fiance. Um, that's how I know Sammy. Um, but I don't feel like you're just like an in-law or my fiance's cousin. You're you're truly one of my best friends. Um, and then I remember Dylan, when Dylan graduated and we were sitting at the bar. <laughs> and so it's like, so this is the funny part. It's Dylan. So who's sitting at the bar? It's Darcy. Jason, there's this cor- corner, then it's Dylan, me, and Sammy, and those three were all talking, and then all of a sudden, Sam and I just revert to each other, and we talked, and we are just like, bah, 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 like little birds just talking to each other, like, nonstop, and we look over, and those three are just laughing at us, we're like, why are you laughing? You're, they're just like, you guys are just so funny together, like, all of a sudden, we just looked over, you're like, full on having, like, a heart-to-heart conversation, and I was like, yep. For sure. Done and done. Gonna be in my life forever. 
Um, but my favorite memory moment is also from that night. Remember at your birthday when I shared it? So we we were really we were drinking a lot because Dylan had graduated and we had I'll say we had a safe ride home. Thank you, Darcy. Um and we basically I don't remember what happened. I think my sister came in and you're like, I can do a field sobriety test. So Sam starts doing the field sobriety test in the bar. <laughs> like I don't even know. Like she just was like, I can walk in a straight line. It is like touching her nose and I'm just I remember being like, Sammy, you are not sober and just like laughing at that and just having that was like one of my probably one of the funnest nights I've had as an adult ever. So that was a great night. That was that's probably my favorite memory of um getting really to know one of my favorite memories of like becoming part of Dylan's family was that night. That's awesome. Um okay, so a couple comments. I knew I wasn't sober, but it was the <laughs> it, that was the humor of being like so one of one of the things that I like to control. So that's the thing. Like I like to be aware of my surroundings. Seriously, self-awareness, stay alert, stay alive. It's important to me. Um, Even when you're going through crosswalks. Yes, agreed. Uh, So one of the things, like even when I'm drinking, like I don't want to drink to the point where I'm not aware of what's going on. So that being said, being aware, even though I was actually buzzing at the time to be like, (laughs) hey, well, the place where we're at, I swear, had like big grooves in the floor. So I was like, oh, sweet. Like, here's a straight line, you know, just trying to be funny, but... It I'll, was so funny. I think I have a video of it. Yeah, I think there is a video out there. But also that night, so Mara's twin sister was also there. And she had, uh, like, a personal alarm. And she was like, Sammy, set it off. And I was like, is this not going to be, like, lo- is this not too loud or whatever? She's like, just set it off. So I pulled the cell phone alarm. It's louder than the bar, than this music, than all the and, talking. And it's wintertime. So we're uh, there's, like, a hundred... 150 people in this small bar and my was like sammy just pull it it's not that loud it's like if you ever seen harry potter and they like they'll get those screecher letters it was like that and was were you sitting i think maya was sitting by jason or something and jason and i were both like oh my god and darcy dylan and i were like what the fuck is wrong with these three it was so funny again one of my favorite memories one of my favorite memories, because now Maya's always like, is Sammy going to come with us? Is Sammy going to be there? Because I like to hang out with Sammy. I'm like, oh, girlfriend, you don't even know. Maya is a lot of fun, though. Mm-hmm. It is true. Now, also, for the first time meeting you, did I ask you, can I give you a hug? Because I feel like I think it's... you did, but while you were also giving it to me. <laughs> oh, really? Like, I, okay. So I apologize because usually I do ask and allow like a response before I. So that's why I'm like listening. I'm like, oh, did I just go in for it? I just was super excited to I meet you. I think that you put your arms out, and my like initial response was like, arms out. Here we go. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, it's going... Can I hug you? And I was like, I don't know what my what I want right now, but I'm scared. That's so funny. Uh, so being a part of this family, I do appreciate the hugs because I am single. I have no kids. So I live alone and uh, I do appreciate hugs. Also being a part of this family, that's probably why. But I did read something recently that you need eight hugs a day from an emotional like well-being perspective. So when I do get to see family, whenever that is, I do appreciate the hugs. Now, granted, I still hug friends too. So friendship hugs are great. But I feel like I get my quota met when I'm around family versus friends. You definitely friends. do. Because it's like we hug each other when we first see each other. Randomly, we'll hug in the middle of like our family visits. And then at the end, we have at least two or three hugs to say goodbye. It's like, And for someone who like 
physical touch can be draining. I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, oh, no more hugs. No more hugs. Because <laughs> it's just like, because physical touch is not my love language. Um, I'm okay with giving hugs, but like, it also like can drain me. It's weird. Which is weird. understandable for sure. Uh, okay, so my first impression of you. So that day that you were speaking of the hug, like, I don't remember the hug. I, I, it's, it happened, I tell you. But what I do remember is we had game night that night. So I remember, so two impressions from that day. Number one, you were very confident and, like, sure of yourself. That was the impression I got. I was like, okay. You stood up straight. You smiled. You It just, whatever air you were presenting was just confidence and you were self-aware. And I was like, strong woman energy. Let's go. And so that game night, though, I don't know if you remember this. So I am competitive. You are competitive. Yes. So another thing was... So was Dylan also. Oh, for sure. But you you brought competitiveness to the table. So that was another impression. So uh, we had played Pictionary. And okay, you are an excellent drawer, by Thank the way. You. So I can throw that in the mix, too. Some people disagree. My, my middle school clients, one of them is like, I could do better than that. Give it to me. <laughs> like, just, just draw over my pictures. I'm like, not hurting my self-confidence at all. <laughs> um, thank you, Sam, for that compliment. You are welcome. So you are an excellent Pictionary drawer. But there was uh, a moment where I don't remember if you wrote, like, letters or numbers or something. And I called foul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yes. So that was also fun because I knew that you would be competitive. And I, I appreciate and respect competitiveness because I like to be competitive. So I would say that was uh, we're those were my first impressions of yours. So that's so surprising that you thought I was like confident and like strong. Well, I feel like I am strong willed, but like confident, like a strong woman. Because I'll tell you what, my confidence goes in and out a lot. Like, I some days I'm like, oh yeah, I, I feel good about myself. Then other days I'm like, oh man, I'm like the smallest person like in the world. Like, every so it just like not know that you perceive me like that so that's interesting i see that and i kind of like i'm like how do people perceive me that is something to explore there that you should that i feel like everyone should explore okay do you do you want to have do another question yeah i'll ask you the question okay where in the world do you want to go want to travel the most Ooh, antarctica yeah true story uh is it because of the penguins uh that just to experience I don't know. I've always wanted to go, and that's top of my bucket list, but I want to do it right. So that's why I haven't gone yet is because it is rather expensive. I have a weird question for you. What? Did you put this on your bucket list after – did you read Spare from Prince Harry? No, I did not. Oh, well, you should. I, I'll leave it at that. You should just read, read that read that book. Um, If you want to read about Family Dynamics, open that book up, and you'll get a lot. Um. Where would I want to travel the most in the world? I'd probably say Scandinavia. I really would like to go backpacking in Scandinavia and just check it out. And because, I, yeah, that's that's all I got from that one. I like that. Okay, do you want to hear a news story from Minnesota? I think you would enjoy this. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, tell me if I'm wrong. I will. <laughs> okay. So there was a home with over 200 pet rats. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Can you Fuck imagine? That. No. Can you imagine having 200 pet rats? And it I was, couldn't imagine having one. <laughs> they had to declare it a public health nuisance. Well, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. That was in the news. And then also there was a Toyota Corolla. Okay. 
with a four-wheel ATV on top of it. They were traveling. Yeah, they it, literally... This is in Minnesota? Bungee tied. Bungee tied? Yep, bungee tied and pieces of wood acting as uh, parking blocks. What, was this going down 494? No idea what road, but it was north of the cities, I guess. But yeah, true story. There was a yeah four-wheel ATV on top of a Toyota Corolla. Can you hell? imagine? Hickville. Oh, my God. Right? I mean, the things that people do. I mean, we grew up in western Wisconsin, but that I never saw shit like that in my town. Well, that's a lie. I probably did. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> I saw those two news articles, and I, I wanted to bring them to light. Like, what do you... Could you imagine, first of all, if your neighbor had 200 rats in their home? No, because you know those rats are going to escape and go wandering. Or what if you're behind the person with a four-wheeler on their Toyota Corolla? Right? Agreed. It's just people are making decisions for themselves, not thinking of the consequences for others. Right? Or animals. Agreed. Rodents reproduce. What? 200 turned to 400. I'm just kidding. No, but it's true, though. I'm glad that they determined it a public health nuisance. Rodents reproduce. I was like, what the hell? Did you ever watch Bad Boys 2, the movie? I didn't. I don't. I know. Oh, that's okay. I I was going to make a joke. I thought you were going to tell me about Ratatouille when all those rats. Ooh, gross. It freaks me out. When Dylan and I were in D.C., we were by this monument, and we saw rats scurrying, and I was like, caught over, caught over, I can't, and like, literally, my whole body was on a park bench with my bag, and I was like, no, call it over, I cannot, and I was like, why are you freaking out, and I was like, cannot do it, cannot do it, so then we Ubered back to our hotel, because I, I was so freaked out. So, I want to be cheesy, and just serious right now, if I can. Cheesy and serious at the same time? Yeah, What's you'll happening? see. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. And it's so funny, cheesy with rodents. Like, I didn't even think about that. Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay, no, but just on the topic of, I know we covered something really heavy today, but I just want to say, like, when I hear you talk about your relationship with Dylan, it makes my heart warm because uh, I am really, really happy that you found someone wonderful. And I know Dylan and he is wonderful. And I'm just saying that I'm thankful that you found a safe and healthy relationship. And I'm thankful Dylan also has you, um, that he is also safe. And has that healthy relationship with you. So that's why I mean it's cheesy and, you know, serious. But it's just like I'm thankful that you are a success story. I'm thankful I'm a success story. And I honestly hope that there are many other successful stories out there of people that are able to get out and get safe. Hmm. Thank you, and get Sam. healthy. You're welcome. I think that's all that we have for this episode on The Pursuit.